Real Life Church, connecting Jesus to real life. Isn't that a nice little saying? Connecting Jesus to real life. It's really nice. Kind of just flows, doesn't it? I bet it was a brilliant person that came up with that, <laughs> right? So smart, like you just want to put it on t-shirts, you want to get it tattooed on your arm, like it's just a really nice thing. But here, in all seriousness, connecting Jesus to real life is not just a phrase that we like to say, it's actually our mission. We are on a mission to connect your life to Jesus' life. We are on a mission to help you experience the life, the death, the resurrection, the new life of Jesus in such a way that you would go out seeking more of that life in every part of your life, connecting Jesus to real life. That is our mission. That is our mission. It's an important mission for us. And you might be thinking right now, well, how do we know that this is a good mission to be on? In fact, um, it, what I call this is, this is a God-directed mission, right? This isn't just something from us, something we think is really creative and fun, but we really see that this is something God is directing us to go out and do as a group of people, a group of people that are Jesus' followers, that this is our mission. But how do we know that this is a God-directed mission? It's really simple. Because it's always been God's mission, right? It's always been God's mission to connect people with his son, Jesus. It's always been God's mission to take the heavens, God's space, and the earth human space, and bring them together, restore them back together to be one like they were from the very beginning. Page one of the Bible, page, the last page of the Bible is all about this, the creating of heaven and earth and the creating of a new heaven and a new earth. And right there in the middle is it all coming together in Jesus. It's always been God's mission. And we discovered this Right, because we just don't know this uh, offhand, but as we study and explore and teach one another about this thing, this Bible, we discovered at Real Life Church here a really key scripture that brings us all together. It's from Colossians 1, 19 through 20. And it just simply says that God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, through Jesus, God reconciled all things to himself. That through the, the, he made peace with everything in heaven and everything on earth through Jesus' blood on the cross, right? That's, that's bring it all together. This is what God has been doing. This is God's mission, and he's directing us to be a part of that mission. It's a God-directed mission. And you think about this. This is really an important piece. What are the things in heaven and the things on earth that need to be made right to God? In fact, we have a really little creative way of showing what this reconciled things looks like. You might be thinking, oh, reconciled, like I have to reconcile my bank account, or I have to reconcile my checkbook, or something like that. Or you might even think about reconciling relationships, and there's like some people, I'm like, I don't want to be reconciled with them, right? But this word reconciled, let me give you an image of what this looks like. It actually comes from our logo. This, this is what it is. If you see, you've got these 
arrows that are there. Now, we decide to take this and make it look like things are broken in this world. There's broken things that need to be reconciled. They mean to make me right. They need to be put back together, okay? There, there's, there is chaos and division in this world. There is a life of scarcity and loss out there. We experience shame and guilt. And yet, if you look closely, you've got arrows coming down from heaven. You've got arrows coming up from the earth. Do you see it? And right in the center, what do you have? Do you see it yet? There's a cross there. Do you see that? Perfect and whole. There's no breaking of it at all. It's whole. Everything is being put back together, made right through what Jesus did on the cross. In fact, what we get to experience because of Jesus and what we want to connect your life to Jesus' life is that we get to bring his peace in the middle of our chaos that we get to experience a life of forgiveness, that you could just feel the, the guilt and the shame melt away because you are a forgiven person, that you get to step into a kingdom of generosity and abundance when all you have experienced is scarcity and loss, connecting Jesus to real Life is our God-directed mission. Now, it's not just a God-directed mission. It's also, you need another thing with this. Not just a God-directed mission, but you also need a spirit-given vision. Right? A spirit-given vision. I know you might be freaking out on me right now. I'd be like, oh my goodness, he's going to talk about a time when he had the skies opened up, right? And he got to see into heaven, or maybe he had this dream at night, and all of a sudden, he knows he's got to do something with this dream. I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying that those things don't happen. What I'm saying is that's not what we talk about when you talk about vision. We're talking about vision. It's looking forward in the future, and it's looking about the type of people that you need to become so that you can fulfill your mission? What type of people do we see ourselves as or that we need to go towards to be like so that we can connect Jesus' life to real lives? What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, I've got another little phrase for you, okay? I've got another one that wasn't just done on me. I didn't just come up with this. I worked with other people to come up with this phrase, and we're gonna break it down. But here's the phrase. Okay, here's the phrase. Be real people striving to be like Jesus in real life. There's three parts to it, okay? Did you hear it? Being real people striving to be like Jesus in real life. Last time, okay? I want this to sink in because we're going to break it down. Real people striving to be like Jesus in real life. That is the type of people that we need to become so that we can connect Jesus' life to real lives, okay? Now, how do we do this? What does it look like? Well, I'd love to, I'd love to break that down for you, okay? Um, we're going to take it in its parts. So real people first, real people. In fact, we're going to uh, explore this even deeper next week, so I hope that you tune in for that because we're going to go in even deeper into this one. But real people, what does it just mean to be a real person? Because it's kind of a strange phrase. Let's just be honest, okay? Real people, like I'm a fake person. 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we're getting at, right? There's a mask that we wear. There's a way that we try to cover up and we make ourselves look better than maybe we really are deep down inside. Now, it's not about removing the mask in front of everybody and exposing all of your, yourself and being vulnerable and going around telling everyone all your problems and struggles like that, right? We run away from people like that, right? Yeah, so we need a balance. We need a balance. So uh, we, maybe it's just about like, I just need to be honest that I'm wearing a mask today. I'm having a rough day. I just, I'm just going to put on the smiling face. I'm going to get through this right now. It's about being a real person. Real, real people, they know that they have real issues and real struggles and real hang-ups. They, they know it. And they know that they have those. They also know that they can share those real issues and real struggles with, and real hang-ups with other people as they connect with them. There's a vulnerability that they're okay with having with one another because they, they understand that there's an equalizer out there. there. There's something that we all have in common. And it's this thing of our issues, our struggles, our hang-ups. It's this thing called sin where we've missed the mark of being like God. We, we've missed being God's very image, his representative here on earth. We've missed that. It's called sin, and we know that we all experience that. We, we also know as a, as a real person, you're like, I'm okay with going, yeah, all sin is gross to God. <laughs> all sin is gross to God. And, and my sin isn't worse than your sin, or your sin isn't worse than my sin. Like, we just get it. We all have this struggle, this issue, this hang up. And it has to do with not fully being this image of God, not being fully God's representative here around other people. We get that, but there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. We're, we're also able to go, you know what? I'm going to be vulnerable because I want people, I want to know other people, right? I want to help them to be, feel safe with me. I want to know them, but I also want to be known by them. And so being a real person also understands that we are, it's a willingness, a willingness to know other people and to be known by them. And we'll explore this further next week. So I just want to wrap it up with a scripture verse where we get this from. It's from the Apostle Paul, where he's talking to his young person that he's mentoring, uh, that's leading this church. His name's Timothy. And he writes this and gives them a little saying to kind of put this all together. And here's what he says in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 15. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. We're all on the level playing field here. We get it. But I also have an understanding, like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I understand you feel pretty bad about your sin. I'm worst of them all. I understand the depth of my missing the mark of being God's representative here among other people. I, I understand that. Right. We're going to dive into that more next week uh, and unpack that a little bit more. I'm excited about that one. But we're going to focus on this next part because, let's be honest, we can be real people <laughs> in a lot of places. You can go down to the bar and you can be a real person. It might take a little liquid to get you more comfortable with being a real person, right? right? And, and it just kind of starts spouting out, but you can do that. You could go to a support group. Right? Or a recovery group, and you can be a real person, be knowing other people and being known by them. Absolutely. Yep, you can do those types of things. Some are going to be healthier than others, but we didn't want to just be real people. 
We want to be real people that are actually doing something more. And that's where the second piece of this comes in, striving to be like Jesus. We want to be real people. We understand our own sinfulness. We understand our need for Jesus because of our sinfulness. But we're going to strive to be like Jesus. We're going to work with all our effort to learn all about Jesus. We're going to work with all our effort to learn all about Jesus. And I have a little corny way in, way, in which helps me to remember uh, how I can strive to be like Jesus, right? I have a little way, and I'm going to give this to you, and it's corny, but it works, okay? It's called getting set. Getting set. S-E-T. That's right. So like when you're going to run a race or something, you got to get ready. Yep, get set before you go. Well, you got to get set with this. And it just stands for studying, exploring, and teaching. I know, it's corny. Just let me have this one, all right? But it just helps me to sit, stick it in my brain of what does it look like to strive to be like Jesus? How do, I, how do I work with all my effort to learn all about Jesus, right? What do I do with that? And so we're going we're gonna to take a look at it. So studying, right? Studying is this first one. Um, studying the Bible, not just reading it, but actually studying it, right? Not just seeing on a scrolling feed somewhere or something pop up at you that has a nice little scripture verse that's probably taken completely out of context and it makes you feel good, but you're still kind of like, I'm not even really sure what that means, uh, right? And, and, and you, instead of just looking at it, instead of just clicking the like button on it or sharing it or whatever it is that we do with these little verses, or you're like, well, I don't really want to know what that means. In fact, I don't really just want to know what that means. I want to know what it means to the people that it was originally given to and the ones that wrote it. What do they mean when they are saying this thing? What's the, what's the bigger part of this? Like, we're just going to study it. In fact, there's actually quite a bit of joy in studying, in studying God's Word, in studying the Bible. Uh, I know it may sound really daunting, right? I don't want to study this, but when you study something, you learn so much more about it. You actually can discover how you can internalize it and live it in your everyday life. I'm going to give you one, one of these things, okay? I'm going to show you that we're going to study it right here in a few minutes, um, and we're going, to, we're going to see that it brings us so much more meaning to this, okay? So here's what it is. I'm going to give you the scripture verse. You probably see it up on your, on your news feed. You're going to like it or something like this because it looks good, okay? It's from Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2, okay? Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2. Get ready to push the like button, Okay? Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. I'm going to leave this part up right now. We'll just leave this one right here, right? But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Okay, who was this originally written to? group of Israelite people. That's something they experience. What are they talking about? Did you know that Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, they're about God's Messiah? In fact, they're not just about God's Messiah. They're about how we can be like God's Messiah. It, it's all about how we can be like Jesus. Yep, right? Did you know that? Did you know that they're all focused on this Messiah that they need to have in their life? And how they can be like him. It's all about being like Jesus. Wow, 
That's a little bit deeper meaning now, isn't it? Already, just be that little bit of studying that we did. But let's take it another step further because there's some things in here that we need to understand. What about this law? How do you understand law? Do this, don't do that, right? List of do's and don'ts. These are the laws. You get pulled over for breaking the law, don't you? Right? There's consequences if you don't do what the law says. Not what it's talking about. That's us reading into it. Yeah, law. I know what the word law means. Law for these Hebrew people, these Israelites, another word for that is instruction, guidance, commands. They were to guide and instruct their life and how they are to live in Psalm 1, which is about the Messiah and God's kingdom. This is delighting in God's instructions that helps them to live and be like Jesus. That brings a different meaning to it, doesn't it? Isn't that a little bit more helpful than going like, how do you delight in obeying the speed limit? I don't. No one does. That's ridiculous, right? No one delights in having to do the zipper merge, which no one can figure out, right? For some reason, right? No, no one delights in these roundabouts that everyone just stops. Like, you're not supposed to stop. You're supposed to keep going. I know, I'm getting a little uneasy here. But do you see, I don't do well with driving. But here's the thing. You delight in these instructions of God. You delight in them because they, they do something in you and for you and around you. And that, that last piece, that last piece of it, m meditating. Anybody want to do some meditating right now? What's the image that comes to your mind? Home, right? That's, your, that's the image that comes to my mind, right? That's the image, but that is actually not it. Can I give you a different word that fulfills more of what this means, okay? Instead of meditating, it's muttering. Instead of meditating, it's muttering. It's taking these instructions that you've been studying and you mutter them to yourself. I need to love the Lord with all my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. I need to love the Lord with all my heart, my soul, and soul and strength. I need to love my neighbor as myself. I need to love my neighbor as myself. Love my neighbor as myself. Do you hear? Do you see? Completely, completely different. That you delight in that. It guides my life in a way that I can be a part of God's kingdom, Bring, being a part of this abundance and this generosity and, and being a part of God's reconciling and bringing together the peace that he wants to have, that wholeness here on earth, the forgiveness that I feel and it just melts away the guilt and the shame that I want to communicate that with other people. I'm forgiven, I'm a child of God. I'm forgiven, I'm a child of God. Do you see how this works? One, one, a couple little verses there. We did a little studying. Opens up so much more. Now, when we read it the first time, did you get that? Did you just want to like click like, oh, that's good, and then forget about it? You won't forget about it again, will you? You, you will read this again. You'll be like, oh, when I read the word law, it means instruction. When I see meditating, I'm like, oh, it's muttering. It's very different, isn't it? So studying, not just reading, and that there's joy in this studying. That's one way that we strive to be like Jesus. All right, studying. Now let's look at exploring. Um, you and I can explore this together, right? Bringing in other people to help us to understand things. Hey, 
what are you muttering lately? <laughs> yeah, hey, what, what instructions are you learning about? Hey, hey, here's something that I've been muttering. What do you think about this? And we learn from one another. In fact, this is uh, the way that wisdom works. Wisdom is learned knowledge, isn't it? Like it's, it's something that you get from interacting with other people. And there's actually a bigger source than that. And there's a whole section of the Bible that's about wisdom literature. And wisdom literature has two types of people that it addresses. It has two types of people that pins against one another, the wise and the foolish. Not sure why I put the foolish over here, but sorry, guys, right? <laughs> the wise and the foolish. There's the two people. And here's the, here's the kicker. We're both sometimes. We do some things like, man, that, is really, that was a really wise decision. That was a really wise thing to say. I'm not even sure where that came from, but it sounded good. I probably should make a T-shirt out of it, right? <laughs> But we also do some things that are really foolish. And we're like, oh man, I can't believe I said that. That is not the way I should be going. That is a big mistake. And we can be that in one person. We can be both wise and foolish. So how do we make sure that we are being wise and not foolish? Well, that's the wisdom literature. Um, we get this from Proverbs chapter 1. It lets us know where wisdom really comes from. And it's not from you and it's not from me. As much as I'd love it to be from me, it's not from me. Right? Here's where it comes from. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. Fear of the Lord is the foundation to true knowledge or wisdom. But fools, they despise wisdom and discipline. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Levi and Matthias, listen to when your father... It doesn't say that. It doesn't, but ch my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's... What word is that? Teaching. Instructions, right? You, you get it, right? It's there. What you learn from them will crown you with grace. Grace is gift, Right? It's going to crown you with a gift. And be a chain of honor around your neck. This is from a society that was high on the shame-honor thing. You don't want to do things that bring you shame or bring others shame. You want to do things that bring you honor and others honor. And here, by having this reverent fear of God and saying, God, you possess knowledge. I don't. I want to learn from you. And you've put other people in my life to learn from, like my father and my mother. I get this crowned that's a gift to me and they get this badge of honor that I get to carry. It's really important to explore this stuff with each other, isn't it? That we can learn from one another. We have wisdom that we can share and ultimately it's coming from our fear of God knowing like I need other people to learn from. It's not just coming from me. So we're studying, we're exploring with other, other people and then we are teaching. Yes, even you can be teaching other people, right? The best way to solidify something that you've learned is to teach someone else what you have learned. And maybe that looks like standing up in front of a group of people and sharing with them what you've learned by this. Maybe it looks like leading a smaller group of people and studying with them or being a part of that and just sharing your insights and the wisdom that you've gained. Or maybe it shows up in your family life where you're teaching 
your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, or brothers, sisters, whoever around you, you're teaching them some things. You're the one giving these instructions and helping them to guide their life so that they can be like Jesus. You're, you're showing them how to connect their life to Jesus' life. You're showing them how to be a real person that's striving to be like Jesus, you're teaching them that. In fact, this isn't just something that I came up with. It's actually Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, commanded, gave instructions to his disciples to do this very thing. Jesus' followers are to do this. Matthew chapter 20, uh, 28, verse 20. Teach, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands, the instructions, the guidance, yep, that I have given you. Right, and be assured of this, I'm with you to the end of the age. Right? Go and, and teach other people these instructions. Now, there's no qualifier here of like, those that are gifted and really good at teaching, you should go and do this. No, you, you as a Jesus follower, to go and to teach right? the things that you've been learning through your studying and the way you've been muttering to yourself. Right? And that you've exploring with other people and you can also teach them some things. Smiles, right? Okay? Yeah, that sounds really good. So uh, we want to be real people that are striving to be like Jesus. Where, though? Just in this place? With one guy standing here and everyone else listening? No. In real life. Just let me put this into context for you a little bit. Okay? There are 168 hours in a week. Some of you know this because you're like, yeah, I work about 100 of those, right? There's 168 hours in a week. There's approximately 119 hours you're awake. You get about seven hours of sleep at night, roughly, okay? It's 160 hours in a week. There's 119 hours you're awake. That's 119 hours that you have the opportunity to be like Jesus to those around you. It's 119 hours that you have this opportunity to connect Jesus' life with someone else's life. It's 119 hours that you need to be a real person striving to be like Jesus in real life. I'm going to invite you to being a part of that. I invite you to be a part of this mission, this God-directed mission of connecting Jesus to real life. I'm inviting you to be a part of this God uh, or spirit-given vision of being a real person, striving to be like Jesus in real life. I invite you to be a part of that. And if you are going to be a part of it, I want to give you something to help you remember you're a part of it. Because we love to put little things on little designer stuff. So it's not a t-shirt, but it's a magnet, okay? And it just is a little reminder that I'm a real person striving to be like Jesus in real life. If you need that reminder, you want to say, yes, I'm in. I want to be a real person striving to be like Jesus in real life. I'm into connecting Jesus to real lives. Take one of these things. Put it on your fridge. In fact, they're thin enough that you could... Uh, 
put it in your wallet or you could put it in a book to remember it. So take it with you to remind you that I'm a real person striving to be like Jesus in real life. This is, you have an opportunity to see this sometime in the 119 hours that you're awake, right? That you get to be a part of that. So I invite you to be a part of this mission, this, this mission that's always been God's mission to connect Jesus with real lives.